Hello and welcome back to The Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. In this episode, we break down some news, have a debate, give our initial thoughts on MotoGP Unlimited, play a quick stump bunno, and preview Mandalika. I am your host, Matt Polanski. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at MattPolanski1 and Twitch at GameStopper0734. I'm joined, as always, by the creator of The Red Sector, Josh Wilson, who you can follow on Twitter at WilsonJ194 and Instagram at Josh underscore Wilson194. And we couldn't do this without the human MotoGP Wikipedia page that is Bunno, who you can follow on Twitter at BunnoGP underscore and Instagram at BunnoGP. So, boys, how are we doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Um, just feasting, gorging on the MotoGP Unlimited season when I could find it. Uh, we'll get onto that, but yeah, it's uh, I'm enjoying it so far. It's pretty good. It's um, it's filled in the the kind of uh gap we've had since the first race. I don't like it. I don't like that at all. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but it it just seems so. Uh, so bad when we have like a, one race and then we've got to wait two weeks for the next race. First world problems and all that, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's filled it's filled a little gap, I guess. Um, and yeah, well, obviously we're going to talk about it in a bit, so uh, I'll wait till then to to say more about it. But yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much me. Yeah, uh, same here. I've not had as much time as the lads to digest the whole of Unlimited. Uh, usually it's the other way around. I'm usually the sad one that's watched everything within eight hours of it coming out. <laughs> but um, I think with what Josh is saying, I think the reason you get that is because we wait all winter. We have all these countdowns. We have all these like adverts we see, and it's oh, it's coming. You know, it's on the brink. We have a race, and then it's like, right, we want another one. We want another one. And it's sort of like two weeks feels like <laughs> another winter break almost in the in the um, perspective of waiting all winter, getting a race, and then it's like, you know, you want one the next week. But I suppose mm-hmm. when you take into account, you know, the time zone difference, the climate change, you know, the logistics as well, we've got to take into account for a lot of teams to get over there. And the issues that we're going to cover with Mandalika itself um, on track with the testing and whatnot. So... Yeah, there's a lot to um, get us teeth into, but yeah, no, in general, I'm I'm all good. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start off this episode with a little bit of news, and the only real big piece of news coming into this week, uh, John McPhee is out this week uh, due to two fractured vertebrae sustained in a supermoto accident, so he will not be at Mandalika there, he's hoping to be ready in time for Argentina. So that is and roughly three weeks because we have Mandalika, then another break, then Argentina. Yeah. So the oh, thing I wanted yeah. to Yeah, so the thing I wanted to debate with you guys, and hearing that he had this accident during a supermoto accident, that paired with Mark Marquez's accident at the end of last season brings my brings up my question should MotoGP teams adopt the same policy that f1 teams have where the riders are not allowed to partake in other forms of racing while the season is going on during the off season they can do all the motocross and supercross they want but during the regular season they're not allowed to do motocross supercross they can still ride their bike you can do bike riding they can do all training but they can't be in another race bike 
Um, do you want to take the lead on this, Josh? Or um, well, I'll give my opinion. So let you guys think. Yeah. I think they should, if they have to do testing, like when Mark came back from his injury, they let him do testing on a factory Honda. They you know still wouldn't be allowed to ride the MotoGP bikes like they are now. Yeah, they like could the still get on the street version, wasn't it? Yeah, right. It was just. A street like they took a Honda off the factory floor, dressed it up in Repsol stuff, and he took that on the track just to get comfortable again. They could still do that, but they couldn't do the. But they wouldn't be able to do the, you know, do Supercross stuff or motocross. I think they should, because at what point do they, like, does this become an issue? I mean, Mark Marquez could have had a career-ending injury last season because he was testing on a motocross bike. You know, we, we keep saying that MotoGP needs to be more proactive than reactive. So should they be proactive and be and it, it falls on the teams. Like when I made the reference to F1, this isn't an F1 policy. It's an F1 team policy like mercedes has a thing in their contracts where lewis hamilton can't go get in an indy car and go for a, a drive yeah at the most he could test in a 2020 mercedes but he can't go hop in a, a grand touring car and go do brands hatch so what do you guys think uh I can see the issue that arises and the risks involved when a rider between races goes out and just practices or goes out on and goes onto dirt bikes and rides and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. It's it it, it is a difficult one. It, it the thing is, it obviously um, complements the riding and the racing. It seems like if you if you can ride dirt bikes well, it does a lot for your on track racing as well. Um, but at the same time, maybe if you think if they're just doing it for a bit of fun, is it too much of a risk? Because you could still have a big accident on a dirt bike, and again, as we've seen with Marquez or now with John McPhee, it can you know set you back in your actual racing career. Um, you know where where do teams draw the line with it? Are you allowed? Should you be allowed so many or none at all? Or is there certain caveats that you have to have or things in place? Like could it be? Oh well, you can only do it at this place or that place, or um, you can only do it kind of. I don't know as a if you're doing it as part of some kind of competition or if you're doing it. Um, as just a bit of something on the side, like recreational. Ah, it's a difficult one. It really is. I don't. I don't know. Really, I don't know where I stand on it. Yeah. Um. I kind of got mixed feelings about it. I think, and feel free to tell me what you think about what I would put in place if I had the choice. But I think. Things such as motocross, and I have no doubt this will be in a lot of people's contracts, especially in GP. I think motocross during the season is a no-go. I think motocross is an massively overlooked on how brutal 
that sport really is. Um, you know, you're talking, imagine just making one jump wrong in motocross. You're landing 30, 20 feet from, you know, the ground on no real padding. And you could literally finish your season like that, easy as anything. Um, so I think motocross during the season, absolute no go. I think like what you said, Matt, I think off season, do what you want, really. I think that should be a, you know, they're humans at the end of the day. They shouldn't be caged up for the whole of their lives. Um, so take that risk if you will. But I think flat tracking, supermoto, uh, mini moto and the likes of, I think should be allowed during the season because like Josh said, it keeps them fresh. It keeps them in shape. It keeps them race ready. It doesn't cause any sort of um, track rust or anything when they get on. You don't want to get on on a Friday and feel like you're a second off the pace because you've not been on a bike since two weeks ago. I think they're good exercises and good um, practices to have to sort of keep them in shape because there's not as much power. There's not as much risk. And the argument of, you know, Marquez has been on a streetwise Honda type thing um, RC213VS or whatever it was called um, is like okay that should be allowed because it's basically the same then if anything with that argument you're just increasing the risk for him to fall down on an aggressive like that bike's still doing 200 mile an hour down the street so if Marquez crashes on that that's another crash at a stupidly high speed that you're risking him not being able to ride the actual bike so for John McPhee to you know, fracture vertebrae for a supermoto. And anybody that doesn't know what a supermoto bike is, it's a, you know, usually it's 50cc, 75cc kind of racing, isn't it? It's very low, um, small engine sort of racing. It's nothing drastic. Um, unless you're talking like the big, big supermoto bikes, which I know can ramp up a little bit. But again, nothing close to like a, a street version of the the Honda GP bike. I don't think something like like the chances of falling off one of those and injuring yourself badly like that is unlucky. Um, and the chances are very slim. Does it increase the chance of him getting injured? Yes. But does it increase his chance of winning because he is actually keeping him shape, you know, staying on the track, keeping his fitness up? Also, yes. So it's a double-edged sword. You know, you are risking it, but these guys risk it every single weekend. You know, you're not going to go out on a Friday and a team manager turn to you and say, look, we're not racing, so don't worry about trying to go quick. It'll be saying, you know, we need data, so we need you to push on this this strategy or we need you on this tyre to be pushing. And, you know, there's risk involved with all of it. But I do think for training purposes, X amount should be allowed. But motocross, my main opinion here, motocross, absolute no, because of how brutal that sport is. Mid-season, you know, even in the summer break, I'd be saying no. You, the day you finish after Valencia crack on you know go skydiving go motocrossing do what you want literally do what you want but anything any time from the beginning of the season to end i would say no motocross that would be my main thing on that i don't think you know i, I think if we were talking about a non-british rider or a non-american rider we'd be saying he's very unlucky but it's sort of like he's a british rider so there's not many of them so we almost feel a little bit like oh fuck's sake john you know what i mean it's like but Supermoto, it's not exactly a known for being a brutal sport or a brutal category of racing. Um, so yeah, that, that's my opinion on it anyway. Sorry to ramble on. Oh, like I said, I just wanted to get you guys' opinions on it. It, it brought up a like it made me think of like a yeah, that point, like because like 
race car drivers, when they're not racing, they still have simulators they can use. Yeah, yeah they can do stuff like that. Where, yeah, and that was one of my thoughts was, well, motorcycle riders don't have a simulator. Your simulator is being on a bike. And that's why I said about, like, still being able to get on, like, a street level. Like, if, um, like, Ben Yaya or, you know, Miller could hop on a factory Ducati and do stuff mm-hmm. like that if they needed to. Where, you know, instead of doing stuff on, the, like, where it would be, like, with the team, you know, on a track as opposed to doing it, like, you know, it, when we'll get to um, MotoGP Unlimited, but like you saw Mark Marquez's dirt track. You know, you see Valet's uh, The Ranch. Yeah, instead of doing it, you know, somewhere like that, where it's like a private thing, doing it more with a team on a, in a controlled environment. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but I don't... I, I get your point. I do get your point, but I don't think any of them or in a controlled environment, whether it's private, public, or whatever, when you say to them, put your helmet on and go out on track, they're not, you know, even if they're not going 100%, the chance of you crashing doesn't mean, you don't have to be going, you know, rapid. Now, it used to say that when John McPhee crashed, he was at full pace, pushing the limit, and you've turned around and gone, look, John, that's on you. You've pushed too much. You know, he could have been bumped off and just fell on the wrong side of, you never know. Um, you know, right. you know, give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think, you know, put the team there with them at Catalonia and say, right, Miller and Magnaia, some Panagales, go out and, you know, just stretch your legs, sort of thing. I don't think that would decrease the chance of I'm coming back in and saying I've not injured myself. I think, you know, the VR46 guys go to Mizano with R1s, um, V4s, and whatnot, and all sorts, and you know, fly around. They do. Um, and they're not the only ones. I think that's perfectly fine. I think Supermoto, fine. Flat track, fine. It's just motocross. I think motocross is just it's too high speed and too high risk for them to get injured that way. Then if, like what Josh was saying, I think if you're going on a track, like with Marquez at Portimao, or like what we've just said with Miller and Magnaia with a team, I think if you're doing that, you take the risk, but the reward is big because you're actually on tarmac practicing, you know, pretty much like a a, a production version of what you're going to ride at the weekend or something. Do you know what I mean? It's more relevant to your job. It's like saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a motocross rider and then going out on tarmac, you'd be saying, well, you know, as much as the risk is bigger in injury terms to go practicing on motocross, that is your job. So I'd rather you be practicing motocross than practicing tarmac and fly off at 200 mile an hour, which they never go anywhere near that quick. If you got injured that way, you'd be saying, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing messing around at 200 mile an hour? What relevance has that got to your job? Which is why I see motocross the way I do with MotoGP riders. It's like, what do you need to be? It's good for your fitness. You know, it's well known it's good for fitness and whatnot. And just in general, everything to do with motor racing, it's good for that. Motocross is, but... If it was mid-season and my rider cracked, you know, if John McPhee had gone down in motocross, I'd be saying, what is he doing, you know, going around on motocross mid-season? Why, you know, can he not do something that's more alternative, that is a safer bet and more relevant to his line of work on tarmac? That would be my argument with it. But 
you know, it, it depends with the contracts, like you say. Some people in F1, I'm sure, like you say, with Mercedes, I'm sure Ferrari and everybody have the same thing. I think I've seen something maybe in Drive to Survive or maybe an interview before where people have said, you know, I can't do A, B and C before the season ends and whatnot. Um, I think Kim well, is they... well known for being like, I don't care anyway. I'll just yeah. do what I want. But it's it's well known that, you know, they're a lot more strict with it. Um, well, like yeah. Red Bull doesn't even let Verstappen ride his jet ski during the season because they're afraid he's going to hurt himself. Well, they're dangerous. You know, people just see them fly around on water and think, yeah, that, you know, that's not going to be dangerous at all. You know, sorry to be blunt here, but there's people, there's thousands and thousands of people that have been killed by jet skis. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not like it's the safest thing in the world. I mean, that might sound bizarre to say, but they are dangerous things. So I don't blame them for saying something like that. You know, again, you're reducing the risk because what relevance does going around on a jet ski have to an F1 driver? You know, simulators, right. like you said, I was going to mention that earlier, but simulators go spend 10 hours in the simulator you're not going to get injured and it's relevant to your job so crack on you know if more gp riders had that i'm sure they'd lean more towards that than they would saying go out on a v4 or whatever and yeah or a supermoto or whatever and risk the chance of injury but like you say we don't really have that that is relevant Mm -hmm. to them i know they've got those machines like the lean machines that i don't know if you remember josh bt sport used to do a program I think it was called MotoGP Tonight or whatever. And they used to do like the lean challenge. Marquez actually went on it and they got like a machine where they used to like lean left to right, left to right. And you had to get your elbow down and your elbow down on the other side. And you had to do it in like 60 seconds or whatever. And people, I think they said like some of the riders have them at home and they have like a monitor in front of them and they do a track, you know, and they'll like practice stuff like that. But it's not really relevant to a simulation, is it? It's not a simulator. Yeah. It's just a, it's a gimmick. Simulator. It's a gimmick. Um, so to get, need to get the old uh... time, it's like we, you know, in our world, we they kind of have to go out and do the physical version. I need to get the old uh, MotoGP arcade games. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you had the bike and you had to stand there and lean on it. But yeah, yeah I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a pretty good debate. You know, mm. should they be allowed? Should you know anyone listening? You know, whenever we post this, let us know what your thoughts are. And uh, it is sad, though, isn't it? Obviously, because you know, us being American British podcast, it's we're not exactly um, spoiled for choice on riders, you know, for, to support. So we've got Scott Ogden and Josh Watley flying the flag for us this weekend in Moto Three. So I'm hoping that they can. Um. Yeah, I'm hoping that they can get some good good data in and whatnot. And I think just on that point, I know we're going to get onto the preview of Mandalika, but just whilst we're on the point of Moto3, um, I watched the interview of Josh Watley and Scott Ogden after yeah, Qatar. And I've got to say, and I, don't, I doubt Josh is listening to this, but i just like to put it out there. I do think... I I understand why he would seem very flat and very kind of, you know, downbeat about it because it's like, yeah, you, someone's got to finish dead last was the phrase they used. Like, you know, don't don't beat yourself up about it. Um, and he's very, you know, annoyed, as you would be. Uh, but I think we said it last week. Um, there's not a lot to really be beating himself up about. I think he was aware as well, saying... Nobody's been there before Indonesia, so it'll be a bit more level playing field. So he's got that mindset straight away. But I'd just like to put it out there that I'm very still much behind and always will be behind both of them 
but I was just a little bit like, you know, don't don't throw yourself in the in the mixer so early on to say, oh, well, you know, I know they had problems with the bike, didn't they, Josh? I don't know if you watched the interview on BT, but yeah, they were saying that they were struggling with top speed and whatnot, which, you know, happens. It's the first race. But I just thought I'd like to put it out there that I, I'm all for Josh's comments. And I'm not saying he said anything wrong because I, I do understand what he was saying, but kind of just giving him a bit of a, a bit of moral support in saying, I hope he doesn't sort of really think that badly of himself on that first weekend. Um, no, I think yeah. um, I think he'll have probably a bit more media training. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I get that. I do get that. Um, but, you know, you don't want a rider walking away from that in his first race thinking, oh, no, oh, dog of shit. Not. You know what he's... I mean? He's not. No, well, what they said, of course, what did, um... what did Laverty say? He said it was a bit, they'd been given a new engine, which was worse mm. than the previous engine. So they're trying to get to the bottom of that, but like we said before on the last podcast, I think for Josh, he got a full race in. Um, so it's good data for the team because that's what you need early on is race data. Um, especially in your first season as a team as well, you want as much as possible. So he's done that for the team. Um, and yeah, just strength to strength, really. Yeah, I think and, Laverty uh, said something like, did he say when they tested with the original Honda engine, it was fine. And then they got the new one and it was like, something's not the same here like with the top mm. speed or whatever it's like yeah like you say it was like the new the new engine they've been given is not exactly what they've been told it is so i think they're sort of investigating that and trying to get to the bottom of that but um yeah sort of just a quick nod to them too going in i'm i'm quite confident but no matter what the result i think this will be a great weekend for them to sort of see where they're at after having that sort of initial you know, debut and whatnot, kind of blown off the the gloss of being a new team. Obviously, there's still a new team, but you know, it's like right. We know what our race weekend is now for for the both of you. Same sort of setup and whatnot, and just kind of hit the ground running as quick as they can. So yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I really am for both of them. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next topic. Uh, MotoGP Unlimited came out this past Monday, and I just want to start this off in in one of the previous episodes when we talked about MotoGP Unlimited. I said that it was coming out on the 18th. For some reason, I had that date in my head, and I was way off. Um, Can we quickly say that we're not going to give any spoilers away? So if you're listening no, to this, yeah, so this like, is a complete oh, spoiler free. You know, we are not giving anything away. Just thought I'd clear that up before yeah. we get into a conversation. <laughs> No, good point. Yeah, this is a spoiler for your review. We're just going to give our initial thoughts on the release, and that's about it. Um, but whenever it was Sunday night, about uh, it's about 10 o'clock Eastern time, I just started seeing Twitter start exploding with like, oh, it's here, it's here. And people, you know, posting that, you know, the, the videos were uploaded and stuff like that. And my first thought was like, well, I thought it was the 18th and I looked it up and I was wrong. But then it like it clicked in my head. I'm like, why the hell would they release this on a Monday? When people have to go back to work or school, why wouldn't you release this on a Friday where people could watch it over the weekend? Yeah, we, we, it, we said, didn't we, about the release? The release day and date was 
whether there's delays or whatever, I don't know. But I, I, without sounding too blunt and pessimistic about it, besides the point of whatever delays they had, the delay, the the actual release day and date was pretty poor, like a pretty bad decision, I've got to say. Yeah, and then it's a pretty good thing they did release it on a Monday because when it came out, there was the dubbing issue. Oh, God. <laughs> so, the, and this falls under a few things, actually. So, I didn't know this. Uh, Amazon Prime is a regional subscription thing. So, like, the UK Amazon Prime is different from the US Amazon Prime. And yeah, I, I know that. I think because Amazon Prime in the UK used to be Love Film. Mm-hmm. So Love Film was like one of these where you, you, you rented discs, DVDs that got sent to your house, and then you sent them back. And then it became, okay. Love, Film, it became Love Film Instant, so like a streaming service. And then Amazon bought it and turned it into Amazon Prime. So obviously yeah, so... Then you, yeah, so... Well, then the issue was each region had to buy a version of MotoGP Unlimited. So the UK and like the English speaking Amazon Primes all bought the one with the English dub because they figured people were going to want to watch the English, like hear it in English. And yeah, the Spanish had to buy, would would have bought in the Spanish version and stuff like that. And if the regions were willing to pay more money, they got all of the dubs. Well, then it turned out that nobody wanted the dubs. Everybody just wanted the regular audio and were willing to just read the subtitles. Not nobody. And I repeat, nobody wanted the dubs. No one. Whenever, like, because, and people like Everything Moto, David Emmett, um, Simon Patterson were like all over this throughout Monday and it was like I kept like reading all these posts and wonder like well how bad is it and I got my version Mm. after midnight and I went on and you start watching it and as soon as uh, Fabio he holds up two shirts and you just hear this person go which one should I wear and somebody goes the one with the diamonds. I'm like, nope, nope, not doing this. Uh-uh. Literally, literally, I was about to say, after you finished what you were going to say, I was, I was literally about to say, I got to the point where I, I I watched the little ceremony thing. I watched them getting ready, and I'm like, okay, okay, cool, wicked. Or I've not heard any dubbing yet that I've seen on Twitter, but we'll see how bad it is. Which shirt would you like or something? I was like, what the <laughs> fuck have I just heard? And then it was the diamond one. I'm like... No, I just the closed one the with app. the diamonds. No, nope. closed the app and was like, I am not touching that with a 10 foot until that's been sorted out. I was like, No way on this earth. And then you messaged us when the dubbing had been sorted, like, Guys, it's sorted. And I went to check it and then it was carrying on. And it was like, Hey, guys. And I was like, Nope, not sorted, not watching it. I was like, Not a chance, not a chance. Well, and that was the other issue that as again. Like the head of Amazon Prime uh, came out like right away and was saying about how they were going to get it resolved right away, but then it didn't. It got resolved like region to region. 
Yeah. I, I, if anybody, I don't know if anybody from the Amazon Prime team that were put on that project um, listened to community feedback or whatever, and if any of them are listening to this. So far, what I've watched, without the dubbing, fantastic i will say that i'm not going to give anything away or whatever but like it, it it is fantastic it feels like a more well-documented series that i could totally get down for like watching every single year no no issues what if, if it's like what seems to be for the rest of the series then i think it'll be four maybe five out of five you know like brilliant but but i will say this if anybody knows of anyone that was included in the team of people that gave the nod of put dubbing in it they need firing like you actually need firing because that is possibly the worst decision i can't believe we waited all winter for oh our version of drive to survive like we were waiting for this top production line and then the first thing we get is this shitty overdub of like the most it's more like the replacement of energy that i didn't like it was like they were trying to like replicate the you know the the sort of energy that was being given off i was like i don't need an english person to be replicating what fabio was trying to say in french but in an english accent like i don't need that i don't need like i've not heard the dubbing but i'm getting like tinder voice uh not, not tinder but the um tiktok, the TikTok voice over vibe like you know the woman one. <laughs> you know something, Josh. You know something. I think if it was that, it would it would probably get a bit of a comedic effect for me, and it would Which probably wear off. Should after... I wear? Yeah, it would probably wear off after like you know a, a, probably a good couple of minutes. I'd be like, okay, I'm bored now. But it was like it was it was cringe. Like it was the sort of thing you that see, like, it was you know, like so a school bad. Project, you know, like a school project right. when like they re-record like the audio for like films that they make, like little sketches or whatever. Uh-huh. It was like that. It was it was as if they'd just gone, listen, that it's coming out next week. We need to put dubbing in it. Do you mind just getting in there and just literally say it all in English, but give the same sort of energy and vibe off? And the, the guy was like, Okay, yeah, cool, wicked. Which shirt should I wear? Like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? See, Why? I can kind of... I'm not jumping the de- to the defence here, but for me, the problem is for, for MotoGP fans, like ourselves and many other people, we're happy with hearing the voices of the, you know, of the races, of everyone involved. It's... it's it's really good, you know. We want to hear the off. We we know we hear them anyway. We know what they sound like, but we want to hear it. We want to make it authentic. But maybe I, I got the feeling that a lot of people who are MotoGP fans would turn it off as soon as they realised it wanted English. And that doesn't oh. mean the voiceover makes sense, because to me the voiceover was, by the sounds of it was shocking to the point where it wouldn't have made it any better. But I do feel. And again, I don't feel this way, and every MotoGP fan doesn't feel this way, but I do feel that people will turn it off because everyone's not speaking English. Because I, and, I, I do get that point. I do get that point. Because when I was watching it, I was sort of like, you know, I, I can sit and listen to Fabio speak French and read in English or, you know, whoever it may be in their native tongue or whatever. I don't, I don't mind that at all. 
I get people being like, I'm not watching it if it's complete. I mean, it's you. Let's be honest. It's usually the British arrogance of like, I'm not fucking watching yeah. that if it's in if it's in fucking Spanish or whatever it is. Like, you know, people are like that in in the UK. And I'm not saying everyone is, but there are people like that. If you're from the UK, you definitely know of somebody like that. But um, I don't know. There's just maybe a better way of going about it. Maybe like for the next year, if... not not tell them what to say, but say, look, if we because you know there might be certain points where and this. I will say this, it was really obvious in Drive to Survive that they would send people out with whoever they're with. So whether it be Yuki Tsunoda's coach or whether it be Alex Albon. I know, is it Alex Albon? No, who was it? Somebody, Somebody's girlfriend went out with them. Was it George, George Russell's girlfriend goes out with them? And they all, some for some reason, they all ask the driver the same question like, so how's the season going? It's like this really obvious question that's coming. But Maybe if the only the only direction that they give them is, look, we're filming you at your house, like Jorge Martin. This is no spoiler, but in one of the episodes, I'm just remembering what I can remember. Jorge Martin's at home. He knows that there's cameras there. Maybe they say, if you can speak in English, that'd be great. If not, don't worry about it. Just so that they then have more footage in English. And then the people that are neutral watch it go, oh, that, that bit's in French, that bit's in Spanish, but it's mainly in English. It sort of takes that kind of novelty off but mm. i do think you're never going to change it well you might do but at the minute i don't feel like you'll ever change this sort of attitude of snobbish brits that are like oh, yeah that. i mean i, I guess people probably don't understand non-motogp fans that it's a spanish italian dominated sport mm. japanese spanish italian dominated yeah, that's English what I was sitting there thinking it's... earlier. It's like people, Australians might watch it and go, why is Jack Miller talking in like a weird accent? It's like the, the guy works in an Italian team, Yeah, speaks to Spanish press officers, Italian press officers, the only British people he speaks to, which aren't his, you know, he's Australian, he's not British. The only British people he talks to is BT and the people that work at Dorna that are British. So, he's, you know, he's, the um... likes of Steve Day, the likes of Matt Burt, the and likes a lot of, of people, Matt Dunn. Yeah, a lot of people he cannot speak in his normal yeah you can't go up to fucking davide tarotzi and start talking australian slang yeah exactly (laughs) cal crutchlow used to get completely ribbed for it and i was like the guy is sat talking like when he does the end when he gets the end of a race he'll go to darzen then he'll go to sky italia then he'll go to bt then he'll go to another spanish journalist then he'll go to another spanish because it's spanish dominated meaning there are more spanish press officers meaning there are more spanish newspaper papers journalists reporters so like i get that side of it but at the same time imagine it put it the other way around put it the other way around imagine if you watch the premier league if you watch if you flick the football on at the weekend and gary neville was overdubbed by a spanish people are like what's this i am not watching this this is ridiculous it's like but if it was if it was spanish dominated or because it's english dominated, you say why is it not in english of course it's in english it's going to be in english every single time makes sense it's english dominated it's an you know it's the premier league it's in england everyone from around europe looks at premier league and goes the premier league it's the same thing with moto gp the moto gp fans know including yourself matt that's across the pond no it's not british like it, it originates from great britain but it is dominated by spain and italy it's just a fact and <laughs> like you say with the japanese and whatnot it, <laughs> We're very privileged. We speak a language. Our native language is the most spoken language in the world. 
and 99% of everything that's ever made to come on TV, whether it be Netflix, YouTube, or whatever, is in English. But typically, Brits, first world problem, I'm not watching that. It's got Spanish in it. It's like, okay, cool. But yeah, well, I get your and, point. Well, and it, it, if it is the issue where you have the snobby English-speaking people that are like, well, I'm not watching it if I have to read subtitles. Okay, give the give the dubbed version as an option. Put mm. the the original audio with the closed captions out as the original, and if they want to have it dubbed into other languages, then they can have it dubbed into other languages. But don't just force it on on the English media. Is like, well, here's your version, and this is all you get. Because you're going to get the people like you know, the diehard fans that are like, well, I don't want that. I want mm -hmm. to hear it how it is. And then there's the issue like Asia and Australia don't even have the series. Like the Asian markets just didn't get it for some reason. Wait, so what? So Australian viewers can't watch this? Yeah, they don't have Drive to Survive yet. Or not Drive to uh, MotoGP Unlimited. And like, Wow. Thailand and Indi Indonesia don't either. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any That's... sense considering how big the market is. But like you said, it's That's regional. I mean, but I don't, yeah, but, but like, regional, like we've just I, been saying, I, uh, they, they don't even have it. Yet here we are like, oh, it's got Spanish in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't, understand, I don't know. It's, uh, it's annoying, really. I mean, I, the one gripe I had with it, it's not even about the show because so far I'm loving the show. I'll do my quick review, spoiler free, which is I'm I'm on episode six of eight, so I've not finished it yet, but I doubt my opinion will change um the last from the last two episodes. But I'm really enjoying it. I like it. It's it feels fresh. It's good to get an inside into a lot of things that you don't really see. Um you know, it it's very interesting. It gives me season one drive to survive vibes. It really does. Yeah, I thought that. Like when that first came out, it was like, wow, this is so refreshing. It's so interesting to see it from the other side, in a way. Um, and it's the same with MotoGP. So anyone who's listening to this who haven't, hasn't watched MotoGP Unlimited, but have watched Drive to Survive, especially season one and two, which were the, the better seasons of DTS, then yeah, it is very similar in a sense that it's refreshing, that it, it it's interesting, and you almost, you do see another side of it, and it's not, there's not there's not too much drama added or too much kind of rubbish added. Yeah, I think um, the novelty the novelty of the drama has kind of weared off on me on Drive to Survive. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, even even if I don't watch it, I'm like, well, I I've can not see even, that it's crap. Like, you know I've I mean? not the, even, the... I've I've not watched season four. I got halfway through season mm. three and stopped. But anyway, run about unlimited, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's really good. The only gripe I had, and I think they fixed it, um, is. And again, this isn't actually to, to do with the show, but when I went onto my onto my Amazon account, of course, it's catered towards me, the algorithm, or it should be. Um, and I've watched like that McLaren thing they had from like 2017. I think I think they've got MotoGP on there, some older stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've watched them stuff, and yet it wasn't on there. It wasn't on the front page Same. at all. MotoGP Unlimited at all. Well, the the a thing that came into that was whenever the dubbed version came out, there were so many one star reviews that even when you searched MotoGP, 
it shuffled it to the bottom of the list. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, so I searched it, I searched it myself. I put in MotoGP, and it was literally like the fifth or sixth um, result. It wasn't even the top result. And I just thought, you want people to watch this, surely. Mm-hmm. And yet, you're not even... It's not even showing up. I don't get it. it. But obviously, when you look at the reviews so far, it's got like two star. Which is, it was 2.7 earlier. It was, which annoys me so much because it's such a good season. It's it's really, really good. And the amount of effort and work that's been put into that by MotoGP and by whatever the company is that's made it and whatnot, it's, it's incredible. It's really good. And yet, mm-hmm. it's just been review bombed from this botched launch. And... and People will actually look at the reviews of it and not watch it. They won't even. They might be thinking, "Ah, oh, there's not to watch." Let's say it's Friday night. Let me just put some on. Oh, this MotoGP Unlimited looks quite good. And then they see it's got like two out of five or something. They're probably like, "Ah, oh, I won't bother watching it then." And that could have been avoided yeah. if it had not been so silly with this dubbing malarkey. It's it's quite I think frustrating. It's, it's both ways, though. It's like. I, f- I do feel for the production team that have put so many hours into now watching a non-dubbed version. I'm like, fantastic, brilliant. So imagine if you'd not done that, it would be five stars on reviews. 100% it'd be five stars, minimum mm-hmm. four. Um, but I do also, I mean, I'm, you know, each to their own, but there's no way on this earth those people that reviewed it as one star watched it. Because I read a couple of the reviews and not one of them said, Watched it all the way through, think it's awful or whatever. It was, looked forward to this forever, the dubbing ruins it. It's like they've watched 10 minutes of it and gone, the dubbing ruins it, which I agree, it does. But you're not reviewing the whole of the show there. You're just reviewing well, yeah, it's, your it's opinion not, on the dubbing proper. and going, the whole not thing's crap. Review. It's like, no, it's not It's yeah, not right. crap. You're not judging the, the actual series. You're just judging the dubbing, which I think is unfair, but at the same time, yeah, you wouldn't. They kind you of shot themselves really, in the foot. You don't. You wouldn't listen to such things, would you? Them. But I've seen people on Twitter who have disliked it, but like oh, really? proper review be beyond the dubbing. But at the same time, I don't know what they were they were expecting from a, the series if they don't like it. Like, I don't know I if think... they were expecting some kind of proper behind the scenes, proper kind of. I don't know. I I don't, I don't really know. I think any more behind the scenes is like what we were talking about when we originally heard about it is you don't want any more behind the scenes as what I've seen so far because then you're intruding people's life and whatnot. It's like you don't want that. What I've seen so far is kind of what I hoped for in, I think on an old podcast you might remember me saying um, I wanted to see the sort of in-betweens kind of conversations between teams and riders and that backroom staff sort of conversation that you don't ever see but it just kind of makes up for the sort of holes in your memory that like why does you know why is Jack Miller not having a new contract so but Bagnaya's had one this year maybe next year's you'll see that maybe you'll see that first things first Bagnaya is the absolute man in Ducati from this weekend just gone in Qatar um, and Miller's maybe getting out a little bit. That's that's not me, you know. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just completely making that up from thin air. But it's that sort of thing where I, you know, I watched the first couple of episodes, and the second episode is on Jack Miller. That's not a spoiler or anything. That's just you know, it's it's more focused on Jack. 
and there's a real sense of like, oh, okay, you know, you, you really see that connection between Jack and Ducati and what it's like between them, which you would have never have got on just the normal viewing of the sport. So I do like that side of it, and I don't think it should be any more in-depth, personally. I see a bit of, you know, riders' backstory and a bit of their livelihood and whatnot, and I think that's enough. I don't really want to see, you know, anybody's parents in tears if they're crashing or whatnot or, like, having them worried, or I don't want to see people, like, you know, what Alex Rins is having for tea or anything. I'm not really bothered in that. I'm more bothered in the racing, the effects of the racing and the sort of the ride to survive kind of, you know, the fit. Because when I mean, and not to go back on Drive to Survive just quickly before we hit the nail on the head with this, I feel like Drive to Survive is no longer looking at people who, you know, they've really got to dig deep and find that that inner self to sort of push them further in the mm-hmm. sport where I feel like watching Unlimited, there's certain times of it where I, you know, it's, it's well documented in the trailer that this, the uh, and obviously it's, there's a part on Marquez and I really felt like watching it. I was like, you know, you see that guy, you see that sort of mental side of him from the footage they have that makes you piece together the guy you see on track and in interviews and the sort of behind the paddock kind of character, you mold it together and you go, okay, yeah, it makes it makes sense now, and I think they've done a really good job on that in piecing that together. You don't feel like, you know, it, it's it's chronological so far. I don't know if it is the whole way through, but it's chronological, which to me is so mm-hmm. much better than having it. You know, drive to survive. It's yes. like we start off at Bari, and then it's like Saudi Arabia, then it's back to here and back to there. And I'm like, if I'm not, if I don't watch the sport, I'm like, so wait, the they're back here, and they're, then oh, wait, we're back in Imola, and then we're back forward again. It's really weird, but yep. the first two episodes I've watched, being chronological, makes sense to me, as though to say it feels like a journey of how they're progressing as riders, how they're taking the season individually, and how they're treated as time goes on and certain events happen, so it makes sense to do it in chronological uh, order. It It looks good. It looks good. I can't. I can't really say a bad word on it other than the dubbing. If you take the dubbing out of it, for me, if I was to review it on just those two episodes, if you said to me two episodes, give me a full review, I'd give it ten out of ten. So yeah, but mm-hmm. I think we'll do we'll do a full review when we've when we've all watched it because we don't all have um, a lot of time at the minute to watch it all, even though Matt's fired through it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think we've pretty much covered everything there that we can cover without going into anything detail wise. Unless there's anything else you guys want to say. Uh, I'll just say my quick spoiler free review. Um, like you said, the chronological order thing. Amazing. I absolutely hated when Drive to Survive would be like, you know, on episode, like we see the race at Monza and then three episodes later, it's like, and back at the race at Monza. It's like, we saw this like three episodes ago. Why are we seeing it again? Yeah. And then like two episodes later, like I think on drive to survive, I don't care if I give spoilers away for drive to survive, but there's a, there's, there's something on drive to survive where, um, what is it that happens? I think it's the, um, the McLaren episode where like they start, they they go on about Monza with McLaren winning. And then like two episodes Mm -hmm. later or something, it might be the other way around. I see something about like, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton going into Monza, it's like, oh, they're coming to get like, what's going to happen? It's like, I already know what's happened. It, you told me that two episodes. Yeah, ago. you saw like, that already. And, and yep. they, they spent two episodes on like Bahrain. Like, I th- I'm sorry, but the first race of the year, like, it's been and gone. Like, I don't want to watch an hour and a half on what happened at the first race of the year because the relevance of the first race to 
the end of the season over at what is it? How many races are there in F1, Josh? 22? 20 something. 22, 22 races, 10 episodes. So you're thinking, okay, maybe two races per episode, sort of cram it in, maybe skip the odd one. And we've, we've spent a, an episode and a half on Bahrain. Like nothing, mm-hmm. nothing really happened at Bahrain. Like nothing that you went, wow. Like, wow. Do you know what I mean? Maybe a full episode on right. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, fair enough. But like, come on. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to go on to Drive to Survive. We're, we're not here for that. We're here for MotoGP Unlimited. I, I will say I didn't... I did like how they, like, sort of normalized and, you know, the riders. Like, you don't just see them as the, as the riders. Like, you see... Yeah their wives you see their their dads like um jorge martin's dad and um rossi's assistant like those yeah, with, people with Uchio and whatnot and you, you saw like yeah. maverick when he you know when he had his when he had his daughter it's a it's a nice side mm-hmm. where you don't see you don't you're not breaking privacy although you know you're seeing like the real like i don't really you know it's a breach of privacy you're just seeing that nice human side of them that you go that's a mm-hmm. nice side to see uh, uh, from what I see on track. That's what you want. You don't want people's right. family issues. You don't want, you know, some. it's like I don't like this sort of attitude in F1 where not just drive to survive, but it's like if there's something bad on social media, it's like, well, let's push that. Let's, you know, let's magnify it and see what's going on. It's like leave them the fuck alone. Like let them right breathe they like, are you know, humans they're human and i don't i've said it before I, I i do have a feeling that that is the way that part of moto gp on social media is going but i really hope it doesn't because like josh says and i definitely second it i do feel like watching this moto gp unlimited it feels like drive survive season one where it's just a nice balance it's well-rounded it's a documentary it's not a drama and it's it's what you signed up for when you press play when I press play on mm-hmm. that, I, I know I want to know what I'm getting into before I get into it. And Drive to Survive's gone away from that. And I hope MotoGP Unlimited, if they carry it on, which I hope they do, um, I feel like again, if like I say, if that if that came on next year, and I've watched the first one, like we all did with Drive to Survive, you're clicking on for the second one because you're thinking, well, if this is the same as last one, then for sure I'll watch it. It's not too intrusive. It's not too boring. It's not too dramatic. It's it's what you what you expect. So yeah, I, I think we'll do a full review when we've all watched every episode. Yeah. But like I say, I've I've only got um, good things to say about it really, other than the dubs. Right. Last thing before we get off this subject, uh, I pulled up the reviews. As of right now, it has a two point eight out of five. Thirty six percent have voted five star. Forty eight have voted one star. Nine for four stars. Three percent for three stars, and four percent for two stars. So I think yeah. the issue is that or I the thing I hope let me put it that way is that the people who did give it one stars go back and once they've rewatched it cha- can change or delete their you know review and put a five star to help fix it instead of just leaving those one star reviews mm. I'm hoping that, like, I see that WTF1 get early access to watch Drive to Survive. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we could get something like that maybe next mm-hmm. year for most yeah. of it. But, like, no, like, it's, it's, it's important because, you know, anybody listening to this now that hasn't watched it is going, 
well, I've, I've heard of it. What do you guys think? And we're sitting here going, check it out. It's brilliant. So we're giving them a, you know, not necessarily always giving them a good rep, but we're a representative of for of well, other people to say, what do you guys think? Like when the race finishes and they go, oh, that's a bit controversial. I wonder what those guys think. And we say, oh, yeah, he was wrong for that. He was wrong for that. They go, oh, okay. And they get more of an understanding for it. Those are the sorts of people that, and I've said it before, I really think Dorna need to tune in on and really start pushing the the media side of people like ourselves um, and you know other podcasts and content creators. I think they really need to start well, pushing it because we're we're a great spearhead for that community to sort of help the likes of the game and the unlimited thing and any Dawn of Productions. I think it's a good way to tune into that sort of middle ground and you know get opinions from people that actually do. A MotoGP fans, like Josh said, like actual MotoGP fans. Well, one of the issues with something like that is with Unlimited, you had people like people from the race MotoGP podcast going. They went and saw the premiere and they saw the first few episodes, but they saw what we eventually got. Yeah. So Dorna could be like, oh, here, come look at this. And we all you know, say we get it. And we're like, great, that's perfect. We give it a great review, but then it comes out, and yeah, you, you can't. Amazon you can't release, Prime, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. Once Prime Video version. gets their hand, yeah, and that's <laughs> that's one of the issues because and Dorna was really upset about this. Was they put they gave it the okay, but then Prime Video went in and changed stuff and screwed it all up. So this is more on Prime Video. And just goes, yeah. you could, they could make the greatest product, but if they give it to somebody who then screws it up, it's not going to matter how great it was to begin with. Yeah, I think that's something that contractually they'll probably think about if they do renew it. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, yeah, because I think I think if you're like in that prime the video first... sort of meeting room and you've you've you know you're you're part of this project and you've seen the initial day reviews, you can't tell me they'll be sitting there saying, "Well, next year we'll put them in again and see if they like it." They'll be saying, "Don't do that again." No way. No yeah. way. So, yeah. Yeah, so those are our thoughts on that. Um, next, we're going to play a quick game of Stump Bono. Um, for those of you who don't know what this is, this is our critically acclaimed game, and we say that because we're pretty sure someone from Dorna stole our last version and used it for a MotoGP social thing. <laughs> but that's besides the point. I was um, thinking about this earlier, actually. It's like, when we did the first one, and you can find it on whatever platform you're using. If you scroll through the Just episode. go back, you'll find it. Yeah, I, it's like mid-season. I'm so engulfed in MotoGP that I feel like you could ask me who, you know, who who came out the pits first in FP2 in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas one race in, I'm like, I've had the winter off. Well, and I'm like, what? This... You know, I can't remember certain things, so... You know, it'd be interesting. Well, this one won't be. It's not that hard. It's not what we went into last seat, uh, last stump bunno. And for those of you who want to listen to that, go back listen to it. Um, it was a really fun episode to come up with, and it was a really because we played a game of it and tried to figure out if we could stump bunno. So for this episode, it won't be as challenging. Bunno, for this <laughs> challenge, oh. starting from twenty twenty one. Name the MotoGP champions. What, all the way back? 
go back as far as you can. I've got the list in front of me. You're not allowed to pull it up. I'm not pulling it up. I'm not pulling it okay. up. Okay. Um, but go back want... as far as you can in okay. one run. Like like the Vettel thing. I'll say the Vettel thing. But like... Yes. And yeah. that's where I got it from. I had this last year and I couldn't use it. Right. Okay. Okay. And there um, was even it, and you know, for those longtime listeners, go back and see if you can find it. There was an episode you started doing this, and I almost freaked <laughs> out on you. You were like, "Shut the fuck up! I've got this as an episode." You, you, you were, you literally started naming previous champions up there. Going, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, this might bore people. They might just sit there going, "Not got a life." Next one, not got a life. Next one, not got a life. Um, okay, so twenty twenty one. Of course, Mr. Quattararo. 2020, Shamir. Mm-hmm. 2019, yep. 18, 17, 16, Mark Marquez. Mm. 2015, yes. Jorge Lorenzo. Yes. 2014, 2013, Mark Marquez. 2012, yes. Lorenzo. 2011, yes. Stoner. 2010, yes. Lorenzo. Yes. 09, 08, Rossi. Yes. 07, Stoner. Yes. 06, Nicky Hayden. Yes. This bit I like. 05, 04, 03, 01, Rossi. <laughs> yes. Um, my birth year, which I can't get wrong, 2000, is Mr. Kenny Roberts Jr. Correct. Um, 1999 is Crivier, first Spanish yes. champion. Uh, 98, 97, 96. 95 and 94 is Mr. Dewan. Yes. 93 is Schwantz. That was mm-hmm. the year that Rainey got paralyzed at Mizano. Um, 92, 91, 90, the man himself, Wayne Rainey. Now, mm-hmm. the 80s is hard because I remember this being <laughs> like, it's a weird order. But I know it's, it's 89 Lawson. 88, Freddie Spencer. 87, Wayne Incorrect. Gardner. Nope. No, it's not. Wait, hang on. Let, let, let me go back. Let me go back. Wait, because I got this. If I got this three wrong, wait, sorry. 89. You got 89 right. 89. What did I say for 89? Lawson. Lawson. Yeah, 87, 88 is Spencer. Nope, oh, is 88 it, is oh, is Lawson. Lawson. Lawson again. Yes. Sorry. Do I carry on? Am I wrong there? Is that me stumped? Go ahead. Let's let's keep going. Oh, that's where we stumped you. We got oh, no, you. Yeah, the yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I am wrong. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, yeah. you've got it in front of you, so you know it. You know I'm wrong. Um, yep. So we made it to 1988 just... before we stumped you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. But you'll you'll. I, I will. I, I think I will now prove that I did actually know that. And there's no point me sitting there going, no, I did know that, but. I'll prove by <laughs> carrying on and looking like a sado. So, just to clarify as well, I was born in 2000. We're now, we're now going to the point where my my parents we're now were, older than were me. Like, yeah, my parents were like, you know, growing up still. Um, okay, so what year are we on? 87, Mr. Gardner. Eight. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 86 is it's 86 Lawson, 85 Spencer, mm-hmm. 84 Correct. Lawson. 80 correct three spencer whichever way did i say like correct like lawson spencer lawson spencer <clears throat> yep. 82 uncini 81 mm-hmm. lucanelli 80 yep. 79 78 is kenny roberts senior yes 
77 yes. and 76 is the last British champion, Barry Sheen. Correct. 75 is Ago, his last championship. Yes. 74, 73 is Phil Reed. Now yes. this one, I need to make sure I get this right because it's 72, 71, 70, 69, 68, 67, 66, Giacomo Agostini. Um, 65, 64, 63, 62 is Mike Halewood. Yes. 61 is Gary Hocking. Mm-hmm. What year are we on? 60. 60. 60 is John Surtees. For a quick fact for everybody, the only person to ever win F1 and MotoGP World Championships, and in my opinion, the last ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what year are we on? 59? 59. 60, 59, 58 is John Surtees. 57 yes. is Liberati. Correct. 57, Liberati. 56, John yes. Surtees. That was his first. Yes. 55, 54... Is it 55 and 50? Oh, wait, let me think. 54. Let me think. Let me think. Oh, 55. 55 is Jeff Duke. Correct. 54 is Jeff Duke. Correct. I don't know. How many did he win? Is he four? Is he three or four time world champion? That's what I'm questioning. Oh yeah, am I on fifty three? Right. Yeah, you're on fifty three. Fifty three, Jeff Duke. Yep. Fifty two, Massetti. Yes. Fifty one, Jeff Duke. Yes. Fifty, Massetti. Forty nine, Leslie Graham. Yes. God damn you. <laughs> Yeah. we have to give it to you yeah you missed you screwed up one yeah yeah the eighties, the <laughs> i always get muddled up but like it, I, I do know it like i'm pretty sure yeah you did like, know I it do, i do know it it's just i always get muddled up i always Holy... think that spencer won one after gardner but it's lawson lawson backwards again i'll do it just to double check look you see i'm not back to front it is yep. in the 80s it was lawson lawson gardner um, Lawson Spencer, Lawson Spencer, Uncini, Lucanelli, Roberts. Yep. Yeah. So, like, again, like, we're doing this. I've got my hands in it. Like, you can see, look, I am absolutely, yep. I'm not cheating. He, I'm looking dead at the camera. I am not cheating at he all. He was like. either looking up or looking at us the whole time. Um, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, you are on Vettel levels of nerd at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just four world champions behind him <laughs> um, yeah yeah sorry i've just got well, two co-hosts looking at me now with questionable mm-hmm. eyes and thinking why did we contact the saddest man in the world to come and do a podcast? no this is why because we need this kind of information we yeah. need to be able to go to okay in 1992 who won fp2 at silverstone <laughs> if you give me this name bono swear to god uh race I'm trying to think if they still raced at Silverstone in 92. I think they went to Donington by the... Oh, no, Donington might have been... Oh, yeah, they did race at Donington 92. I don't think they were at Silverstone. No? No, I think it was Donington. Because Schwantz won at Donington in... Might have won it in 92, actually. There you go. Hold on. I'll bet down. It was Donington. Yeah, there you go. I'll say Schwantz got FP2, Donington. Imagine if it's true. (laughs) Uh, 
I can't find it. I can find who was there and who won. I'm sure if you put in on MotoGP 1992. Well, I want to see now. I mean, if I'm but, wrong, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's me. That's a knockdown on my knowledge. That's just an estimated guess as to who. Because Schwantz was really good around Donington. I know that. He he liked Donington a lot. And if it's, uh, I'll say Schwantz, but I could be wrong. Shame it's not to spec. <laughs> I've for, cheated uh, if this is not true. <laughs> shame Donington's not. Um, yeah. So to speak. It's not big enough. They don't have the paddock no. size for it. No. Great track though. I, f- I you think found it, Matt. In Britain, I'm getting there. We need Karen more, Josh. really. We do, but at the same time, like the amount that we charge for a ticket is completely ridiculous for mm. people to actually, you know, the neutral to come along and say, yeah, you know what, I'll pay that and go and try that out. Plus, we don't have enough representation in the UK for to value it. You know, look at the amount of Spanish riders. I know they subsidise it in Spain, but. Our government don't do anything for motorsports to actually, you know, know, carry that weight. It's more tracks. I mean, look at F1. When Silverstone said, oh, we're not going to bother anymore, there was like, oh, well, where can we host it in Britain? There was literally Mm. nowhere else at the time. They were going to be like London Grand Prix, but then that idea was canned. (laughs) And it was a bit like, seriously, in the United Kingdom, we have nowhere else, you know. Especially with Circuit of Wales, that that old classic. Circuit yeah, I mean, <laughs> instead, I mean, F F one is such a British dominated sport as well, and yeah. Silverstone's is, Silverstone is all we've got. It's mm. yeah, but I guess Silverstone probably would like to keep it that way. To be honest, if you're there. Uh, so I can't find free practice statistics. I can only find race. So Are you asking me who I won Donington in 1992? <sighs> sure, um... give me. Take a guess. I'll say Rainy. No. Oh, Schwantz? Wayne Gardner. Oh, Gardner. Wayne Rainy lost by eight tenths of a second. I was eight tenths of a second off getting a winner eight years before I was born. Damn mm. it. Damn it. Oh, well. I've just listed you yeah. off. How many champions is there? Like... Fucking, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we proved you have no years. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to have there something was... you know that you've you've never really had. So you know, I can't really sit here and say I've lost my life or anything. <laughs> there was fourteen retirements in that race. I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. Five hundred were deadly. I'm, I'm I'm guessing it was raining that day. Just could take oh, a shot well. in the dark. <laughs> Probably. That's not a shot in the dark. That's very much a very, very, very smart guess. They do have a whole race report here on Wikipedia page. It was Wayne Gardner's last career victory. I was going to say, that must be one of his last, because obviously after him winning 87, it kind of... Before the start of the race on Sunday, Wayne Gardner announced his retirement effective at the end of the season. There you go. There you go. But yeah, that was a good little game, I guess. You could, mm-hmm. you could, you could be very nitpicky and say that you did stump me, but I don't know. I think no, I we're gonna give that to you. That's that was insane. But I, I don't know if that's a flex or whether it's an absolute mm-hmm. detriment to my overall health. <laughs> that I know that <laughs> you're just a sponge of MotoGP knowledge. 
I mean, so, you know, if you ever need to know, if you ever turn around and say, it said here that in 2000 and whatever, I can just be like, there you go. There's a quick fact for you. There's the champion of that year. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> or just, or just be like, Bono, what years did Giacomo win the championship? You just be like, uh, this is... 75, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71. No. So, yeah, mm, yeah, 71. 72, 3, 4. Oh, wait, no. Is that right? <laughs> Let me think. Oh, okay. Let me think. Did I just stump you? 75 <laughs> as I go. 74, 3, 2, 1. So, sorry. 75, 70, 69, 68, 67, 66. I think. <laughs> I think. 75 he did, and then Mike, Mike Elwood won four in between, and then... <laughs> The, all the 66, to, 66 to 72 and then 75. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Yep. Wait. Am I thinking? Oh, no. Michael Wood was before that. I was thinking Michael was after. It's Phil Reed that's in between. Sorry. I was thinking Michael yes. Hellwood won in. I was thinking Michael Wood won 74, 3, 2, and 1, but he didn't. That was that Phil Reed won 74 and 73, and then Ago won 72, 1, 70, 69, 68, 67, 66. And Mike Hale Wood. Yep, and then Hale Wood for 3, the next 2. four. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Anyone yeah, so that's still the... listening going, shut up, you sad twat. You know, we've got to, we've got to get on with that <laughs> day. <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so for the last part, we're going to do a little bit of preview for Mandalika, uh, which there really isn't much to preview because MotoGP has never been here. It's a brand new street circuit they built around the Mandalika Resort. Um, it is classified as a street circuit, um, so it's not, although it is a designated MotoGP track, they still use it as a street in the off time. Um, they did little bit of testing here but you can't really go off that because it was like a day and a half of testing because the track started breaking down which they did repave most of the track i want to say it was from turn 17 or something to turn five but yeah the one thing we can say is the weather report for this weekend looks like it's gonna rain substantially or it's going to be a little bit on and off on Sunday, so we could have a flag to flag. Yeah, as of right now, the Friday and Saturday say heavy rain, and then Sunday looks like rain at some point. Yeah, which I know Josh is all for a flag to flag, aren't you, Josh? You're a avid fan <laughs> of. I like. Flags. Yeah, I don't mind them. I think they're quite exciting. Um, but yeah, not much to sell Mandalika, to be honest. It's First time we've ever been MotoGP wise, so it's going to be an experience in all three classes. It's going to be something new, uh, different. Um, the it, weather should it, be interesting. Uh, it was more. Yeah, it was from before turn seventeen to after turn five. So, yeah. So let's see if they've got all that I'll ironed out because again, mm-hmm. you know, growing pains, teething problems with a brand new track. That hasn't really been bedded in all that much. So um, that should be interesting. But other than that, not really anything much to say on it. I just hope that it's safe. That's my only point. I just want to make that. That's like, for me, 
from testing it was like you can't race here if it's like it is so if it's not safe don't race give everyone a refund that's turned up go home try again next year or whatever but whatever they do for the love of god please can we not race there i don't want you know if it's like oh there's a chance that one part of the circuit's not safe it's just one part and they're like we can put something over it. no i know i don't know not 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 with what happened last year or or any year that anything's happened bad or no and i'm only saying that i'm not being pessimistic i'm just going off of what happened at testing and a lot of riders came out didn't they and said it's not safe to ride and i hope they've done a great job and i hope we get a great weekend blah blah blah, blah. just point out there if it's not safe please for the love of god can we not race there that's my only point yeah uh it's i mean the, the layout of the track is kind of you interesting there are some you little straights into some heavy braking zones um there's like turn seven eight nine look like a little chicane on the back straight but yeah it's the whole thing is going to be the repaving job. How well did they do? Did they resolve the issues? Um, looking at the track map, turn 17 is the last corner before the straightaway. So they're basically repaving the whole straight. And then the first sector, they basically repaved the end of sector three and the whole sector one. Yeah. So, or end of sector four. I don't know why I said three. Um, so, we can't really go off lap times. The lap time I ha- it has listed here for a lap record is a one thirty four two two eight, but that was or two eight eight, but that was top racks time when World Superbike was there last year, and I'm pretty sure it was raining that while they were there. So yeah, yeah it's pretty on off for them. Yeah, yeah. Don't know how different it'll be this time, but we'll have to wait and see. So. That'll do it for today's episode. Um, as we said at the top of the episode, please be sure to go follow us on Twitter at Red Sector GP. You can follow myself on Twitter at Matt Polanski One. Um, follow Josh at Wilson J194 and Bono at Bono GP underscore. That's it for today. And remember, keep the throttle pinned. <laughs>